Welcome to So How Do You, the podcast that's your little black book for interiors. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, and I'm going to be speaking to two guests in every episode who will give you both design, inspiration, and practical know-how. High pile carpets, low pile carpets, laminate flooring, repurposed wood, glossy tiles, statement tiles, natural wood, parquet. Ah, the options are endless when it comes to choosing a floor. While they all have their pros and cons, it is so important to get the right floor because it can really make or break a room. To help figure this all out and to choose what to put underneath our feet is interior designer Angus Buchanan and vintage expert Paula Sutton of the Hill House Vintage Instagram account. By the time you've reached the end of the episode, you will know your sizal from your jute, yes please, and how to keep your home's original flooring in check. Before we get into the podcast this week, I wanted to tell you about my wonderful sponsor, Wix, who you will hear more about over the series. I feel like they are the perfect fit, offering ideas and advice when making improvements to your home, from helping to save energy, something I know we are all thinking about, to making small changes that make a big difference. Did you know that 25% of your home's heat is lost through a poorly insulated roof? Or that by switching to LED bulbs, you can save money on your energy bills and the planet at the same time. Now, I know that some of these jobs vary in ability and can potentially sound scary, but with Wix, they guide you every step of the way. So rather than breaking the bank on a full refurb, focus on the smaller, more manageable jobs, like repainting your skirting boards for that bold statement rather than painting an entire room. Follow along as we cover all this and more this series. For information on how to get started, visit wix.co.uk. First up is Angus Buchanan. Angus, along with his wonderful wife, Charlotte, run interior design company Buchanan Studio. Their work provides endless inspiration for all corners of design. It's safe to say that Angus can choose flooring in his sleep. So let's find out how you make sure that you're taking everything into consideration when choosing the right flooring in a room, where we can get creative and what the biggest mistakes are that he's seen when it comes to flooring. I mean, what is your approach to flooring when it comes to residential interiors? Because everything that I've ever seen, uh, you know, of your work online, there seems to be quite, I mean, there's a focus on all aspects, but the flooring is always amazing. Well, thank you very much. First of all, we, yeah, flooring is obviously a big one. It's, there's the walls, which are going to be, you know, covered in paint and art. And then you've got furniture, which can come and go, but flooring being the most difficult thing to change in the future is probably one of your biggest spends on a residential project. And it's something that if you don't get it right and don't love it, it's a real pain in the ass to, to have to then change it. So for our approach to flooring, it would be, you know, what else is in that room? What's what's going to happen in that room? Is it a kitchen where you've got high traffic, mess, children, food, etc.? Or is it a living room where you want to create something cosy and uh, a bit more intimate? So I think it starts with where it is in a project. And then we love to use reclaimed materials wherever we can. So whether it's reclaimed timber or reclaimed tiling, there's a real focus on trying to get something that's already got beautiful age and patination into a project rather than all being box fresh and and looking a bit staged and a bit too shiny. I mean, how do you go about choosing what is the best flooring for a room, taking into consideration what's already there or what's already under the carpet? So often that happens. We'll often arrive on a residential project and someone will have sort of carpets that they inherited when they moved into the house, or maybe there's a a sort of slightly odd new tiled floor. And actually the first thing I always do is peel a little bit back, you know, poke what was there before, because lots of the particularly London residential houses that we do, you know, had probably already got these beautiful Victorian pine floors that are amazing. And they've been there 100 years, they're still in perfect condition. They just might need a little bit of TLC and sanding back, resealing, that kind of thing. So we would always try and use what was there, if possible, which, you know, adds, as I said before, adds lovely character to a room. But if someone wants to do something new, it, it definitely starts with the boring bits of what are you going to do in this room? What's, what's actually going to happen in here, first of all? Who's going to be in here? What are they going to be doing? And trying to then make sort of the everyday practicalities beautiful and then make that work for you as well. I was going to ask you about pine floors because I feel like that is so relatable to everybody who is either 
renting or lucky enough to own their property, pretty much with every Victorian house, you've got that pine floor, whether you can see it because it's you've taken the carpet up or because it is under the carpet. What can we do with our pine floors? You know, are we varnishing them? Are we staining them? Are we filling in the gaps? Like, how do we bring them back to life? Yeah, exactly that. They are completely and utterly ubiquitous in all London Victorian homes. And a lot of them are in great condition. And they're they're such a shame to, to get rid of them. So the first thing would be to check for rot and woodworm and all the sort of boring bits that that someone could come and have a look and just be like actually these are in great shape or you might have to replace a few but if you've got yourself a good decent floor that's kind of structurally sound it's got gaps it's got bits missing it's really easy to patch them up and actually create something really beautiful by going to a reclamation yard buying a few lengths that will then be all you need to patch up the dodgy ones that might have had you know been replaced or had sockets cut into them or something and then there's so many oils and stains and varnishes and it's it's kind of a bewildering choice of products that you could use we always use one brand of product um which is osmo oils they're just the best they've got all different colors they've got all different shades they've got all different matte shiny gloss satin finishes and then it's it's a little bit like um, it's a little bit like dyeing your hair. You've got to do a test. You've got to try it and see what happens. And I mean, we do, we recently did a project and they had these, a lot of our clients don't like the kind of orange pine finish. So they'd say, oh, you know, we want to get rid of this floor. We want a sort of whitewashy floor, but we can't possibly use this one because it's orange. But you can, you can totally do it. Once you stain it and, and sort of put in a slight whitewash uh, varnish or Osmo oil, it takes on a whole new life. And actually, it takes on this really lovely, beautiful, sort of chalky, pinky colour, which we particularly love. Pink seems to feature in everything we do. So I think there's there's no there's no real pine floor that can't be saved to some degree. I mean, what are your favourite flooring options when it comes to putting something brand new in there? And it could be brand new vintage, but something that you're having to to lay. So we, time and time again, kitchens. I absolutely love concrete. I think concrete's this this kind of material that a lot of people it's quite a marmite material, isn't it? It's sort of a lot of people absolutely hate it. They think it's too commercial and think it's like a car park and it's it's not for them. I love it. We love it. There's so many different things you can do with it. You can colour it, you can grind it back, you can have bits of aggregate showing in it so it almost looks like marble or sort of granite. And it's just the most versatile material. You're never going to break it. You're never going to crack it. I've got two kids, age six and four, and a dog. And I have had concrete floors in all houses that we've been lucky enough to be able to redo the floors in, purely for the reason that on day one, and when you move out several years later, it's going to look the same. And you could, at any point, you can re-grind it back and and sort of re-bring it back to life. But you can then also chuck down rugs on it. You know, I think lots of people are scared that it'll be cold and it'll be too hard some really lovely underlay under whatever rug you want to put down and suddenly it's taken on a whole new life and that could easily then be moved or changed in the future but I think I really feel that concrete is a undisputed winner for any kind of a kitchen in my opinion. What are the most unusual floors that you've laid? I mean a friend of mine has just done her loft and she did a cork flooring which I thought was so amazing and unusual what's kind of the more wackier floors that you've laid yeah that is cool uh, we love cork and, and i think it's a great material for a floor we work a lot with marble and it's an extremely ridiculously high-end and over-the-top product to use but you can get amazing marble tiles now and it you know our thing definitely has always been to have texture and pattern and and, and age within things and marble if you get the right marble it's been honed it's got a matte finish it's not overly shiny you can get really beautiful marble tiles now. So I think marble on a floor is, is often quite a, a, a sort of shock and a bit of a statement. People associate it with hotel lobbies and sort of really high-end residences. But actually, you put it in a kitchen or you put it in a bathroom or you put it in a sort of hallway in a London house, that kind of environment. And it, it looks great. It, it looks really smart. It can really elevate a whole place. And it adds this kind of unusual natural texture, which is great. So marble floor, definitely. But then I think the other one that people often again shy away from is, is linos which people are kind of nervous of it's like that sort of cliched it's almost like the avocado bathroom suite which i also frankly quite love but a lino floor there's amazing ones now you can get incredible colors textures shapes you know whether they're long strips or 
sort of little tiles, little squares. You can create amazing patterns with them, whether it's checkerboard or stripes. So I think Lino is probably the unsung cheap alternative hero that, that could definitely be used in all sorts of environments. What would be your least favourite flooring option that just doesn't work for whatever reason? So I, th- I think that there's a lot of companies that are trying to recreate timber in sort of porcelain or, or ceramics. And I've never quite understood why you would need to fake wood in porcelain or ceramics. So for me, faking texture and, and fake wood doesn't, <laughs> doesn't do it for me. And I think that there is just sort of no excuse not to use real wood. I think that a lot of people would, would want to use wood in a bathroom but they're kind of maybe nervous of the water and wood aspect. So I think that's probably where these um, these fake woods have been developed. But I feel that going back to what we were talking about earlier of, of sealing a, a pine floor, you can use wood in a bathroom. Indeed, my bathroom has a wood floor and it's absolutely, it's absolutely fine. There's a little bit of preparation that might be needed first. So around the bath, your builder or, or contractor would lay down some some waterproof membranes under the timber. So there's a little bit of a faff, but it's very you know maintenance-free after that. Some really good sealant on the top of it. And it's great. I think they work perfectly. So for me, avoiding fake wood and just stick with the real thing would be my advice. Uh, yeah, I actually have wood in my bathroom, but I feel like there's so, uh, there's so much footfall with the kids and the dog and me and my husband and that it kind of, it looks worn, which is sometimes quite nice, but it looks a bit too worn. So just off the back of that, like what, what sort of sealant, if you were putting down a wooden floor in your bathroom, would you use that doesn't look shiny, that isn't slippy, but obviously is functional and practical? So I think it's back to those Osmo oils and they have water resistant ones. There's, there's also products that you could use on exterior decking. So it's specifically designed to use outside. It's going to withstand rain. It's going to withstand snow, everything that the weather can throw at it. But actually, who says you can't use that inside? And who says you can't use that in your bathroom where it's not going to experience all of the sort of harsh English climate, but it might experience, you know, wet feet walking from the shower and around and about the bath and and sink and so on. So they would be really sort of usable inside and actually give you probably better protection than any of the interior stains and sealants that are available and i think it might take some persuasion to your if you're doing it yourself there's no problem but if you're getting someone else to do it for you a builder's probably going to turn their nose up and think it's it's crazy but actually i think on a practical level it makes complete sense you're, you're only trying to keep out water and stop water permeating into the wood um, so that would be the best product to use for it I'm sure that if you follow me on Instagram, you have seen my terracotta hexagon tiles, which look so beautiful. They're from an amazing company called Maitland & Poe, and they source them for me. They're actually vintage, but they are a bugger to clean. And I get asked about them all the time. I can't actually say whether I would do anything differently because I, I, I really, really love them. But yes, vintage tiles that are uneven look good, but practically maybe weren't the wisest choice and we've all got quite I mean I'm just saying we as in because I live in London and I know that lots of other people have these London Victorian houses where there is a lot of wood what are your thoughts on if you have got an all wood house like kind of making areas by using different stains is that a big no-no or should you pretty much have all the flooring on the like the ground floor in the same sort of stain or same sort of style no I think I think great to sort of mix it up and, and I, you know painting it as well there's nothing that says you have to only use stains i think painting i love painted wooden floors they're like your to your point of the the wearing and it sort of starting to wear through which can look really beautiful and has that that slightly eccentric um feeling to it which is lovely mm. there's been a huge trend with painted and stained checkerboard floors I mean, it's something that was really popular a long time ago and then it's had a huge resurgence. So there's any kind of tips and tricks that we can kind of um, hone in on if we are thinking about that for an area? Yeah, I think painted checkerboards on on wooden floors is lovely. And I think it's it's actually something that you could you could try yourself masking tape and some some time spent marking it all out it's definitely all about preparation we've we've done it for a client and it's absolutely preparation is is all you need a bit of patience lining everything up but i think it doesn't have to just be the checkerboard i think it could be 
uh, stripes. You know, we've done some really successful painting individual boards in in different colours, or just just painting the negative space. You know, one colour and then leaving the wood to to be exposed as well. I think it, it's one of those things that probably you could do, and actually because it's just paint on a wooden floor, the lovely thing is you could sand it off and start again. And it's not actually the end of the world to have to do that. So I think if you've got a lovely floor that you want to just try it out on, you could easily do that. And it's very, it would also be very easy to, to make little sort of cardboard or paper sections first, lay it down, have a look, see if you feel it's right for the room and if you like it. And then you could commit and go for the paint um, once you're sure that it's all going to look right for that space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what are your thoughts and feelings on reclaimed floors now i've got a reclaimed floor in my kitchen the maintenance is pretty high but where and when are the right places and ways to use a reclaimed floor yeah it's, it can be a little bit of a misleading thing buying a reclaimed floor you, you sort of feel wow i found this huge stock of beautiful reclaimed timber and it's being given away and then you've got to spend a fortune on removing the bitumen from underneath it or all the nails and then you've got all the holes so there's definitely a sort of watch out on, on reclaimed floors and there's definitely taking some advice on how much it's going to be to actually process the floor, whether you've got to clean it, cut it down and lay it. But if you're a competent DIYer and you're happy to sort of roll your sleeves up and, and have a go at sanding about yourself, then I think the, the, the payoff is that you've got something with inbuilt age and beauty and interest. So I think that the times to use reclaimed floors are in areas that if you're doing it yourself, it's manageable that you're going to lay it. And if you're having, you know, if you're lucky to have someone else to be doing it all for you, you just check that they're happy to use it. I think we've had past projects where we've found beautiful stocks of various um, timber for wall cladding and floors and so on. But actually, when it comes to laying it, it's not structurally sound. It's not actually going to do the job that it's intended to do. So, I think just be be careful where you're going to use it. Um, but in terms of if it's suitable, I think it can be used anywhere. It's probably, you know, they're, they're often not totally suitable for bathrooms if they're going to be slightly dirty and, you know, they, they might not be the, the, the cleanliest of, of floors. But for hallways and living rooms and so on, where you're going to be able to have rugs on top of it and so on, I think they'd be perfect. Let's talk about kitchen floors because it is probably the most, used room in a house and if you are putting down a new floor requires a lot of thought behind it you talked about concrete what other options could we use what other things are worth thinking about when putting down a new kitchen floor so kitchens yeah as you say most used room most tricky room because it has the most different uses whether it is purely during you know food and mess and just the general uh, sort of cooking that comes off the the cooker and there's all sorts of um, spills and so on in the kitchen. So as much as we love to use rugs, I think rugs in kitchens are great, but maybe you need to be choosing a rug that could be washed or could be sort of replaced fairly easy. So you're not laying down your most expensive antique Persian carpet in the kitchen. Wood floors in kitchens definitely work. I think that if you've got a, a, a well sort of sealed and a, and a cleanable wood floor, then it, it, it totally works. The only thing that I think works better would you know, potentially be the tiles. So a beautiful quarry tile, which very easily accessible from, from salvage yards and so on. There seems to be huge stocks of them. They, so that would be great. I think that the tile maintenance, you mentioned your, your kitchen, and, and the more porous a tile is, the more problems you're going you're gonna to have with oil and so on seeping into it. And that's what will allow it to stain. But there's lots of products you can get where you essentially, if you have a terracotta tile for example it's it's kind of a sponge so you you pour on this thing called stain block um there's lots of other products that you can do with and it and it essentially fills the tile up so that it can't absorb any more oil or red wine or whatever's going to be thrown on it and spilt on it so as long as you sort of upkeep that maintenance then i think you know a reclaimed floor or a, a lovely floor that you really love the look of could still work you're just going to have to be a little bit um little bit careful with it so a high maintenance floor is is one to, to think about whether you're actually going to be able to have the time to do the TLC that it might require mm. and if you have got that kind of stone or concrete floor how do you make 
that space feel warm rather than you know a cold uninviting space a stone can sometimes look and feel yeah the, the sort of echoey noisy kitchen floor that, that we've all seen at some point yeah i think that you've, you've kind of got to balance it so whether it's in a kitchen and you've got the stone floor you know maybe you're going to be having you know upholstered chairs around the kitchen table for example which will help dampen out noises and maybe you're going to be going for a slightly heavier curtains that would also do a similar thing but equally rugs you know maybe don't put the rug under the dining table and maybe don't put a rug right next to the cooker or in a really dangerous area for likely spills and so on but if there's areas sort of off the main part of the kitchen where you've got an armchair or a sofa maybe then rugs could totally work on the stone floor and you've kind of created a different zone within that room so I think that the the stone floor and the echoey problems could easily be mitigated with with rugs, easily mitigated with extra sort of textiles and fabrics that you could bring into that that room. And also lighting. Like I think you don't, you know, when you've got these vast expanses in a sort of large kitchen with a stone floor, which maybe is a little bit shiny, you don't want to be making it look all reflective and shiny. So try and keep the lighting in table lamps rather than overhead spotlights, which are just going to reflect straight off the floor. But if you keep the lighting levels lower and around the edges of the room, you're going to have less of a um, sort of spotlight on that big shiny stone floor. So that would help too to create a cosier environment. And what do we need to have front and centre in our minds when choosing a floor that's going to really stand the test of time? I think that, again, going back to reclaimed floors and, and floors that genuinely have stood the test of time. So you know, the Victorian houses of, of London that um, a lot of the listeners will, will be familiar with, you know, they often did have that checkerboard tiled floor in the hallways and most of them are still still standing. They're still there, you know, a hundred years of people running in and out of these houses and they're still absolutely doing really well. So in any of those products, whether they're reclaimed or replica and, and new, but made in the same way so a sort of handmade really well made in caustic tile or concrete tile or a clay tile they're going to work and they're going to last the trouble is with the sort of cheaper replicas they're often very thin so they're going to crack there's sort of movement and so on so avoiding things that are too thin and, and delicate for high traffic areas would definitely be sensible and sticking to the the chunkier in caustic tiles and, and clay tiles would, would definitely work but I think that it's also about how it's laid. So a lot of people have problems with tiled floors that are laid directly onto existing Victorian wooden floors. And the wooden floors will move and they'll bounce and flex because they're laid just on wooden joists. So I think you've got to be quite careful of the substrate that, that a tiled floor is laid on. And a, a good craftsman will tell you exactly what needs to be done. But laying it in the correct way is how it will then last and, um, and be there in years to come. We can't talk about flooring without the mention of carpets i feel like they're not i don't know maybe it's the company that i keep but carpets don't seem to be that popular in my world what are your thoughts on them and as an interior designer is it something that's coming back are people putting carpets in their house more or, or not yeah i think they they're a slight again a slight marmite sort of issue and, and a lot of people move into houses if you're if you're taking on a renovation project you've probably got some quite dodgy swirly carpets that the first thing you say is oh, i must rip all of those out immediately but no i think there are some great carpets that that actually for starters they're a really clever affordable way of hiding or or not having to change an expensive physical wooden floor if it's not in great shape but it could be patched up but you then don't want to spend the money on sanding it and staining it and so on you know to be able to lay a carpet on it is is a great option because it's definitely going to be more more affordable i think natural materials is is a good starting place whether it's a lovely wool carpet which would be really hard wearing and actually way easier to clean and you can put sort of stain repellents on it you can get it treated so that it's it's going to be slightly more hard wearing when it comes to spills but then there's things like sisal and seagrass, which I love. And actually, we use those a lot. And I, I have them at home. We put them to a lot of projects. So they kind of offer a nice alternative to carpets, which can be slightly to, you know, one color or one style throughout a whole space, which is like a bit of a blob of, of one material. Whereas sisal and seagrass will change slightly. And there's little flecks of darker bits and lighter bits, like any natural linen or so on would have as well. 
So I think if you go for a natural material, go for a handmade carpet if possible, then it's going to have this change throughout it, which offers really nice interest. But having said that, we've actually got a client at the moment who has specifically requested carpet in their bathroom, which is something that a lot of people would hate. But she grew up with it and it's in her parents' sort of old house that hasn't been done up in years. And it's 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 something that she loves. So we're going to do a really lovely shag pile carpet in a bathroom, which I'm actually quite excited about. And maybe that's going to be this trend that's going to come back. I think just like fashion, there's this cyclical uh, trends that, that kind of come and go. And, you know, maybe the maybe the shag pile carpet in a bathroom is, is going to be the next trend to come back in. Who knows? I mean, talking of trends, so if that is one, what else have you kind of seen? Because it's usually within interior design where these trends start and then they kind of reach everybody else via Instagram and, you know, things like the the house tours that we see online. Apart from the, the carpet in the bathroom, what what's next? Well, good question. And I, I, I'd love to to sort of think I know the answer exactly, of course. I think a decade ago, I think people, if you'd started talking about terrazzo flooring a decade ago, people might have slightly turned their nose up and thought that was what your grandparents had in their conservatory. However, the terrazzo flooring went absolutely mad over the last few years. And it is beautiful. We use it a lot. And I think that's a real, it's sort of really good example of something that was very prevalent, you know, a few decades ago completely disappeared and now is back in a major way. I think that the advances, and, and I mentioned the lino floorings earlier, because there are now such good ways to make those and, and digitally printing has come on um, leaps and bounds. I think that those are, are going to be more and more popular for small spaces, whether it's like a laundry room or a little bathroom or so on. I still don't personally don't think that the fake wood thing it's going to work so well because there's such good alternatives. But I think that the lino flooring and vinyl is something that you can get really interesting, lovely uh, textures, shapes, and, and you can create something really great with those. So I would think that that's going to be something we're going to see more and more of. One thing I feel like that you're quite synonymous with at the moment is the fact that you did this huge, amazing bespoke rug through your living room and dining room. If somebody wanted to create something like that for their space to hide a floor that was going to be super expensive to do. What are your ideas for us in that space? Yeah, so I, I think at home, we were really lucky. We worked with this amazing uh, company owned by Jesse Outright called Seagrass Story, and, and she sewed it on site. So it's individual tiles of seagrass that she then sews together, which I think is a really lovely way to join the two rooms. And we had an existing Victorian floor in there, which all we did was sand it back and we oiled it, and it, and it had that lovely pinky tone to it. And so I didn't want to cover it up altogether, but there are areas in the middle of the floor that it's a bit dodgy, the gaps are a bit too big and so on. So it was a little bit of exactly that of, okay, well, let's put something down so we don't have to replace everything. And that rug really worked for in there. I think bespoke rugs are a tricky one because it's it's quite a commitment to either commission a rug and then get it made and then you're you're not you're kind of stuck with it. It's going to be this this feature that you can't really change. There are lots of amazing sellers, even on, on Etsy and so on, where they would have a you know a deal with someone, you know, whether they're made in Morocco or somewhere else. And it's a really lovely thing to be able to sort of sketch something out, a pattern or some colours, and then have that made. Is I think is a lovely thing that people are able to do. And you don't now need an interior design firm to help you do that, which you probably did um, in the past. So I think for trying out an, a bespoke rug, it's a great idea. And again, that thing of, templating it out first you know maybe doing a sketch of it you know if you've got a friend with photoshop skills you could you know almost mock it out first to, to see it so you don't have to commit to having it made um and you could almost try it before you buy it um but i think that the bespoke rug thing if you if you've got an awkward space you know whether it's a sort of sofa on an angle and you couldn't fit a rectangular rug it would be a way that you could get sort of something that's sort of maybe triangular or needs to have an oval shape so it fits within a certain niche little bit that you've got in your house. So I think it's a great idea if you can go for it. I think based off that conversation, no matter what you decide, whether it's wood or carpet, do take some time to think about how the textures will pull the room together as a whole. I think one of the hardest things when renovating an older house is to make sure that you're still keeping those touch points and elements of your home's original era to maintain personality and uniqueness. 
My next guest, Paula Sutton, is the maestro when it comes to making the most out of original flooring, maintaining the character of a house and also thoughtful, slow interior design. I'm gonna be chatting to Paula about her love of vintage, how she's made sure her floors have lasted almost 200 years, that's a long time, and how she's choosing all the flooring for a brand new extension being built on her rural 1822 Georgian house. So what floors do you kind of have within your home and how do you think that they add to the design and the interior style within the house? Well, my whole interior style is very, it's, it's based on vintage. It's not all strictly vintage. Um, it's not a period piece. I don't sort of live in a sort of set design. However, everything has a nod to the past and there's an air of it could be from a different generation, a different time, a different period in time but with an amalgamation of, of, of new pieces, old pieces, vintage pieces, you know, things that I love. And so in terms of the flooring, there always has to be that sense of this could have been here 100 years ago, even if it's brand new. And in, in that respect, all my flooring, well, most of it has to be sort of quite natural looking. Um, and whether that's natural fibres or, or natural things like sisal or jute or seagrass, at least if it's um, like a stair runner, those colours have to come through with it if it's wool or, or something. When you bought the house, and as many people do, you kind of, you walk into a house, the floor is already down unless you're buying a complete wreck. Did you design and think about what was already there or was it ever a consideration of changing the flooring to complete how you decorated? When we walked in, because it's, um, you know, with certain sort of style Georgian properties, you're you're blessed with the fact that the house speaks for itself already. So it was it already had high ceilings and it already had sort of like quite a lovely, beautiful feel to it. Um, the fact that most of the rooms had these wooden floors, even though they were they weren't necessarily quite the colour or varnished in a way that we'd like, you could see that it had the bones. You know, you hear about people saying that something has good bones. This house had really good bones. Um, the back part of the house, which is near the kitchen, had very new, very thin floorboards. And it's not really quite floorboards. It's um, not quite laminated, but it's a mix between the two, which I think was done at, um, you know, quite an expense. But at the same time, it was just too narrow and too modern looking for us. So I knew straight away that that would change at some point because it just gave too much of a modern feel to it. But the um, the hallway as you come in has this sort of tessellated, that those typical Victorian tiles. So that's actually came at a later date. I think it would have perhaps been flagstones at one point, but that, that has tiles. And then the kitchen also has um, terracotta tiles, which I think were original to the kitchen at that, at that point. So it's sort of like there's a varied um, amount of, of different styles, some that seem very in keeping with the history of the house and some that were put in um, at a later date. We talked a little bit about different types of materials with flooring, so that you like things that are natural, like the sisal and the seagrass and the dew. Have you put anything like that in your home in terms of a stair runner or any carpets anywhere? We've got lots of rugs. We have lots of um, sort of sisal and jute rugs and natural um, rugs. And I, I think what happened, we, we started off trying not to because I just wanted to see the floors. But of course, when you have young children at the time, you just have to be careful about um, them tripping over. And um, and also, this house gets very cold in winter, freezing cold in winter. So you actually need that warmth. You need those natural rugs in order to sort of absorb the sound, but also to absorb, to create sort of a comfort and warmth. So I do like that those layers. Are there any problem with the kind of cleaning and those sorts of the sizals and the natural materials that you're using as rugs? I do hear some like scary sizal stories. That's why I'm asking. Do you know it's so true? Because you, you feel as if you've done a good job. I've, we've always had dogs. So dogs and children, you're always going to have, you know, mess and muck. And um, you feel as if you've done a really good job sort of like vacuuming over these um, natural, because they do create a lot of, they're, they're fibres. So it's going to create a lot of dust. The worst thing comes when you decide to change or make a, you know, decorate or something, then you actually move the rug and you, you realise what's underneath, what, what lies beneath that's the bit that you've got to really remember to do because you can make it look wonderful and pristine on top. But if you don't sort of like vacuum or sweep underneath, then you'll you'll be left with quite a lot of, um, I guess it is the fibres, natural fibres and natural dust that sort of like seeps through the holes and the sort of the little, um, the little gaps in the weave. 
So, um, yes, they, it doesn't, you know, once you keep on top of it, you know, if you're doing a normal housework and looking after the rugs, it's fine, but just always make sure you go underneath. Paula talked a lot about sisal and jute and natural flooring. I have a sisal carpet in my attic and it has a water stain on it that doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. Apparently there are uh, durable, more waterproof options available for sisal now. So just check and do your research before investing. As you say, you definitely have a particular kind of style, which I absolutely love. When it comes to the rugs, do you do things like personalising with trims on the edges, with colour, or do you do do you quite like to leave them quite simple? Oh, I I like them simple and quite raw. So it's um, I I do love seeing people's houses when they've got the trim, um, and I think it's wonderful. I'm, I'm I have to admit, I'm not that organised. I I don't think that far in advance. I sort of um. I, I'm a slow decorator for starters. So rooms take quite a long time to evolve. And so I don't tend to do everything at once. And I think that the, the lovely trim can o- often happens when you know that, well, I'm having that color on the wall and I'm having, and that's the sofa that I'm going to have here. And so the trim would look perfect in that color. That's not really how I work. It's um, my things tend to be layered over time. And individually thought out and um and bought and often it's vintage and often they're second hand or it's a mixture of antique or and new but it's um because of that layering I don't tend to have that organized mind where I I will I don't know suit the trim to the color of the sofa or anything it's chaos basically <laughs> well no but it's actually not because it's way more thoughtful and it's an evolution and I think that there's something so beautiful about that if you are getting one of these kind of natural floor covers um, made? Do you, do you buy that new or vintage? And if you're kind of getting it made, can you point us in any direction? I, I'm a big believer in, um, in first of all, trying to source things vintage or antique. And so a lot of the flooring that I have will, I'll find in vintage shops or I'll find on sort of vintage websites. Or I, I find a lot of things through Instagram, to be honest. There are lots of vintage traders on Instagram. And, and it's lovely to layer rugs. So it's not always that they're all big. They can, you know, I'll have several rugs underneath something in a room. So in, in terms of um, the rugs, yeah, they, they tend to be sourced as and when I see them rather than going and having them commissioned. But I do, we do have, um, it's not up yet, but I've got a Roger Oates stair runner that will be will be laid at some point. As I say, I'm a slow decorator. So I, I will see something maybe in a sale at a time when I know that I'm not ready to put it down because I want something else done at some point. So for instance, in my hallway, my entrance hallway, at some point that will be um, repainted, but it's not done yet. But I, I've i already bought the stair runner that will, will go up there. And um, so that's sitting in a corner, rolled up in my in my sitting room. But Roger Oates, I've always admired their, um, their runners and they have a, a selection of natural, but also um, ones that are sort of like woven, you, and you can actually have them custom made there, actually. So that, that's that's quite a good place if you're buying new. You've got a bit of a wild card in your house, Paula, which I think is um, quite interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering if any other listeners have got this, but you've got carpet in your bathroom. Oh, my goodness. Well, and, and, OK, so I've, all, I've said all about the upsides of being a slow decorator. That is the biggest downside of being a slow decorator, is that when we came to... Um, Hill House, we inherited um, the the main family bathroom has carpet in it. And it's a really lovely sized bathroom. And so the plan has always been to have to to redo it and and have this fabulous, gorgeous, very decadent bathroom. But of course, when you're planning these things over several years, you don't tend to change anything. So we've we've gotten so used to this, um, to carpet. And I have to say, one thing about carpet in the bathroom in a cold house, in a cold, old Georgian house, is that in the middle of winter, when you're getting up in the middle of the night, as, as, as one does, um, you, you have very warm, toasty feet. So that's, that's the one plus side, I will say, to having. But I, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. It's not, it's not a design choice that I would champion, I have to say. When you're going to redo that room then, what, what would be the ideal flooring for you, your house and your style to be putting in the bathroom? 
In an ideal world, I would love the original floorboards, which obviously lie underneath the carpet. But I don't think that um, floorboards are necessarily the most practical thing, you know, as just as much as carpet isn't the most practical thing in a bathroom. So what I'm thinking of, that it's probably the one place that I'll do something that perhaps would not have been there originally. And that would be perhaps porcelain tiles with a wood effect um, in a herringbone style. That That's my, I've, I've seen sort of inspiration from other places with that. And that's my idea at the moment. So that's what we're probably working towards at some point. I'll, it'll take me another 10 years, I'm sure. <laughs> I love that though. I'll be. We'll have. We'll have this call in ten years' time, and I'm really. Have I done the floor, it? The floor has just gone in, so we can talk about I know, it. I know. You're also going to be doing an extension, aren't you, in your house? Mm. How sensitive do you think that we need to be to the style of the house when putting in a flooring? I think that we need to be sensitive to our own style. More importantly, because I happen to love. Georgian architecture. And so when we were um, looking to relocate from London to the countryside, um, we were looking for a Georgian house. That's what we wanted. And so I love the whole style of that. But that's just the taste that I have. I, I didn't want to be strict. It's, it's not necessarily, I have, it has to look Georgian. It has to look as if I'm sort of, um, you know, the Prince Regent or something back in 1822. But I, I love that particular style. But I, I love it when people put their own taste and they show their own personality in their homes. So I I'm, I'm certainly wouldn't criticise anyone for putting a jazzy tiled floor here if that's what they chose. But as long as they chose it with love and that's what they read and they were dedicated to that style and it wasn't something, as I say, it's not something done on a whim. You know, I, I don't think anyone's design choices are the incorrect design choices as long as they do it with passion and they and they love it. Well, I mean, what flooring choices did you feel that were available to you then when you were choosing this floor? And with that, when you did choose the natural flooring, again, like, what were the choices for that? Because I, I feel like there's always so many decisions to make. So many decisions. And... And as you say, with Instagram, your eye gets turned every two seconds, doesn't it? Because so many people are so creative and so clever. And it's wonderful. It's such a source of incredible inspiration. And I, I'm, I love colour. Ironically, even though mo most of my flooring is, is natural, I do love colour. So my, my colour comes from the walls and the furnishings and, um, and, all, and everything in between, all the accessories. So for me, when I look at somebody wonderful like, for instance, there's um, a, a wonderful lady called Erica Davis who's, who does fashion, but also her home is such a riot of fabulous colour and so and so creative. And, and then there's Sophie Robinson, who's an interior designer and a presenter, who is also a colour lover. So I look at um, homes like those and they have wonderful coloured rugs and, you know, lovely patterns. You know, at one point I was thinking, well, maybe I'm being too boring. You know, maybe I'm being too um, conservative with, with my choices. You know, there are these fantastic... Um, women who were just showing their personality in this wonderful um, riot of pattern and colour. And, you know, there were moments when I thought, well, maybe that's what I should be doing. But my whole, I mean, the, the clue is in the name of, um, on Instagram and on social media, I'm Hill House Vintage. My, my whole vibe and my whole look is, is vintage. And so for me, my colours are always a little bit faded and a little bit pared back and a little bit... Um, as if they were once incredibly colourful, but they, they, they've now faded over time. And so my choices were dictated by that, by, by the fact that I wanted it to feel as if they could have been there for a while. So anything on the floor that was too colourful or too bright for me wouldn't, wouldn't have that feel. So although I totally admire and love those particular ladies I mentioned and that sort of style, I knew for me that I needed something a bit more pared back. So then your choices, you, you start narrowing down what will work for you. And for me, that became those natural coloured rugs. And um, and then, as I say, I put my injection of, of colour into the soft furnishings and maybe the wall colour, perhaps, or the, um, or the furniture. Did you take into consideration kind of durability, functionality, practicality, when you chose the, the flooring. So I know that there's kind of types of the natural material now that are more waterproof or more friendly towards stains. Mm. 
Do you know, I didn't think about that at all. I did think in terms of the fact that I have a dog and young children. So, you know, I didn't in the beginning, especially a lot of those um, natural rugs were, were Ikea because I knew that, goodness me, if, if anything happens, if I have accidents, then I know that it's not the end of the world and that they can be replaced if necessary, if they can't be restored. And then as time went on and the children started behaving better and the dog started behaving better, then you start investing in very similar rugs, but maybe of a better quality. So, so that's the only consideration I put. Those sorts of natural floorings, they are hard-wearing anyway. They're hard-wearing anyway. And that definitely is part and parcel of considering that sort of flooring. But at the same time, I think it was more dictated by the fact that I just like the look. I love the look. They, they suit country houses. Is that your process? It's like, what do I like aesthetically and, and, and is great for Hill House Vintage rather than thinking about the practicality side of things? I think that now that's definitely the case. I think right at the beginning, when we first moved into the house, that it was a combination that the practicality element came from what do I like and what isn't going to break my heart if the children and the dog destroy it. So that's why it starts off a little bit more affordable. And then as life goes on and um, and you're, you're more in control, then you start. It, do you know, it's funny. I used to work in the fashion industry. And one of the rules um, used to be that if you really wanted a very expensive designer item, buy the sort of affordable, cheaper version first before you actually then. So let's say it's a, a staple like a, a nice black jacket. Make sure that you're going to, or maybe even if it's something a bit more jazzy and crazy, make sure you like it before you spend money on the more expensive things. So in terms of rugs, you can actually do that because you can get natural flooring from from the high street, as well as designer stores, if that's what you choose, and as well as specialised or specialist um, shops. So it was quite, I was quite fortunate that I was able to practice, let's say, on sort of like the cheaper end rugs, which look just as good. I mean, my goodness, you know, I've still got a lot of them, you know, still to this day. They look just as good and then sort of like graduate up to a very similar thing that maybe maybe they're more fitted or maybe they're larger or maybe they're sort of more custom sized. But yes, it's the consideration for practicality came more after I'd made a decision on what I wanted. I love that though, because I, I feel like I sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about things aesthetically but then the little voice in my head's Mm. like but what about this and you know like the like weird like autopilot mum comes in of like maybe they'll trip and maybe they'll like John was like I think we should get the console table in the hall attached to the wall in case it falls and kills one of the kids I'm like come on that is like insane it's it's a good tip (laughs) that that is that is I mean I've I've had a few console tables fall oh god really oh no I mean, it's, uh, oh no, they all, they've all survived. Don't worry, it's fine. Oh, gosh. But um, it's one of those things, I mean, you do have to, with, with young children, there are, of course, there are considerations and um, you do have, but you can't overthink. Um, there might be a little chip in the wall or a, a little sort of um, nick in the rug or something that you remember with fondness when they grow up and, and they leave the nest, you know. I, to, to me, the the layers of of things having been used and having been loved and having been fit for purpose is just as important as having a pristine house or rug or, or, or flooring. You know, I, I I like a little chip in in the floor. <laughs> if you've got any final kind of tips and tricks in terms of if people are house hunting at the moment and you know thinking about buying flooring, what in your experience of of decorating this beautiful house over, you know, 20 years, 22 years, what what kind of tips and tricks have you got for us? I would say that it's wonderful looking and being inspired by trends, but also go to reclamation yards, go to, um, go to places where people have put flooring or things that have been used in the past and go and go and see what used to be used. And often when you go to reclamation yards, you'll find something that was used over a hundred years ago. And if it's in good condition, then that's a really good product to have in your home because you, you know you want something that's durable, that's useful, that's beautiful. And that's fine if you then decide to go to a new shop um, that sells brand new versions of that and, and you make that choice to have it done perhaps more conveniently. But maybe by then you already know the, the actual um, material 
that will work. If a material has lasted 100 years, you can go to a new shop and, and buy that terracotta or buy that sort of tessellated tile or buy, and you know that the chances are it'll last another 100 years, you know, even if you're the first person to have used it. Be inspired. Be inspired by the past. I love that. Um, you mentioned kind of reclamation yards. Is there anywhere, if anybody was looking for flooring, would be a recommendation by you? Well, my um, local one is um, Norfolk Reclaim. And um, there's two, actually. There's one that's Norfolk Reclaim and, and one that's Norfolk Reclamation. I think they're, they're very similar names and they're both fantastic. They, they have such wonderful, I mean, they've got everything from fireplaces to, you know, you go there looking for one thing and you end up with um, a ton of other things. But um, beautiful floor tiles and beautiful pieces of wood and even scaffolding boards that you can use for tables and things. But I think people tend to think that you only get sort of furniture items in reclamation yards, but that, you know, flooring is a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful place to source flooring as well, or at least be in, to be inspired by the flooring. Um, the only downside, of course, is that often it might not be necessarily in the quantities that you want. So that's what makes it slightly difficult. But at the same time, it's, it's, I think it's always good to go and have a look at these places because you never know what you might find. And often you find something that you weren't actually looking for, but, it, and it's, but it's unique and it's a one-off. And, uh, you know, you can't get better than that than having something that reflects your personality, but is also unique and a one-off. Wow. Well, there you have it. There are still carpets donning bathrooms in the 21st century. Who knew? Thank you so much to Wix for sponsoring So How Do You. And remember, you don't have to do a total refurb to refresh your room. So visit wix.co.uk for all your DIY needs. My next episode is all about curtains and blinds because again, like most things in interiors, there is so much more than meets the eye. So if you're wondering whether bespoke curtains are worth the investment or whether you want shutters or Roman blinds or you want to know what a Roman blind is, yes please, then this is going to be a very useful episode for you. For more interiors inspo, make sure you check out our Instagram page at So How Do You Podcast and check out all of our other episodes as they fit in so nicely together and are very valuable if you are thinking or doing a renovation. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Laura Jackson and that's how you choose your flooring. <laughs>